Welcome to Code to Grace, the empowered women's guide to life with Marilyn Mosier. Don't you wish there was a reset button to life? We've got the next best thing. This is a place for you to share your story and perhaps get some answers you need in life to find courage to overcome your fears and discover your true self as you empower others to do the same. Now, here is your host, Marilyn Mosier. Welcome to Code to Grace. I'm Marilyn Mosier, your host, and this is a place where we like to encourage, educate, and inspire you to choose courage to overcome obstacles and challenges your life as we discover ways to empower others and ourselves to live a life full of purpose. And I'm so glad you joined me today. I wrote my book, Code to Grace, and I have felt like my mission is to empower others and women especially to find their purpose and to use their life story to empower and inspire others. And today I have a very special guest on that I was introduced because we're doing a book signing coming up April 10th, and it's going to be at 7 p.m. In, at the library in Sioux Center, Iowa. And uh, that's how we connected, because we're both doing our book signing together. And I was so intrigued by Teresa's story. And I'm going to read her bio today. Teresa Elish is an author, mother, wife, and education administrator. She is a life-winning cancer fighter. Her mission is to empower you to unlock your brave by being resilient, intentional, and courageous in the midst of life's adversities. Her battles with cancer and the loss of and loss and her walk through the aftermath revealed keys to finding perfection in imperfection. In her book, Broken to Brave, Finding Freedom from the Unlived Life, Teresa walks readers through her private journey and reveals the greatest key to surviving was finding her faith, understanding God's love, and accepting His blessing. Teresa teaches that you to find your own keys to free yourself, to appreciate the past, focus on the future, and be mindful and purposeful in the present. She was a former 6 through 12 school principal right here in Iowa, and Teresa currently serves as a special education regional administrator. Her passion for student and adult learners drives her work with schools and communities, and she partners with organizations to promote a growth mindset and improve education and mental emotional health models for students. Teresa is also a John Maxwell team coach, speaker, and trainer, a tribe member of Igniting Souls, and a founding member of Courageously Free Women, a women's ministry to inspire and encourage women in the journey of Christ-centered living, and with eyes wide open, a group of Christian authors who have united to passionately take on worldly views with truth and light. I love that. Teresa supports the work of the American Cancer Society, Making Strides, and Stand Up to Cancer. Teresa and her husband, Cody, a college wrestling coach, and he's an educate, they educate and challenge young and wise minds to be better today than yesterday. They are blessed with two competitive, spunky, and brave children whose spinning image of their parents keep them on their toes and laughing. It's a boy and a girl. I can't remember. Do you want, what was their names again? Sasha and Teague. Oh, I love it. So it's just a, just an honor and a privilege to interview you today, and I'm just so enjoying your book and 
it is so riveting, like that first chapter, how you take us through that moment when you face your breaking point and you've been through so much. And we'll just start at the beginning. I just want to, you know, want the listeners to get to know a little bit who Teresa is and why you wrote the book and a little bit about your journey. So I'm going to hand it over to you. Welcome to the show, Teresa, and thank you for being on. Oh, thank you, Marilyn, and thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So, yes, so right when I was 31, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I was in the midst of a great deal of just kind of career transition and and responsibility. I was um, going into my principalship there at the school and uh, was a a volleyball coach, varsity volleyball, varsity track, Um, just, like I said, just a great deal of career responsibility, and I had two little ones at home, uh, a toddler and a baby. Um, and I always like to joke and say neither one of them were my husband. Um, you know, he was the, he was the third member there, but, um, so that diagnosis just brought with it so much, you know, unpredictability and maybe even a level of trauma and some distress that they're not words I would have used at the time, but now looking back, I, I think I understand the journey better. Um, and I'm, It's something that one reason I'm so passionate about telling my story is I could have probably prevented to an extent the staging. Um, I was diagnosed with stage three. It was around October after basically a year of breastfeeding my my second child where I discovered the lump and um, it was just, you know, no time's a good time. You know, we're just so busy in life and my husband was just beginning the wrestling season. He coached high school wrestling at that time at the school that I also worked at. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, we just don't have time. You know, it's, it was just something, I suppose, a level of nervousness was holding me back as well. And so I waited, um, let's see, this was October, November, December, January. It wasn't until February that I finally went in and, and thought, okay, this isn't, it's not going away. I was hoping it was hormones. And mm-hmm. it it wasn't going away. And so just went in for a, a checkup and, you know, my doctor, he gave me kind of that whole spiel of you're, there's about no way I think that's such a small chance because I was um, just my age uh, in good physical shape. I, I exercise daily. I'm a fairly decent eater with the exception of sugar, which is uh, another reason I tell my story because there are links uh, between sugar and cancer. And um, just even family history just was not a very high probability for me. And so despite that, he, he decided, let's, let's check it out, though. So he sent me over for a mammogram, which he sent me. I mean, I literally walked right over to the hospital from that appointment, um, which should have maybe been a warning sign for me. And from, from the mammogram, I went to the ultrasound, and from the ultrasound, uh, we, we set up a meeting for a biopsy and... Um, and kind of the rest is history. And like I said, it was such a, it was a high three, stage three. It was uh, in my lymph nodes and um, it it was extensive. It had really uh, filled one doctor in my, in my, when I went through my reports, she had written that essentially the breast had been replaced by cancer. And so instead of surgery first, they started with chemotherapy. They wanted to reduce um, reduce as much cancer as they could to more successfully um, have a better chance, you know, during surgery of removing all of the cancer. And 
And so we started with chemo, and it was pretty aggressive. I, I refer to it as the red devil in my book um, because it just makes most people so ill, and and it definitely had that effect on me. And from chemo, then I went to the double mastectomy um, with lymph nodes removed, and then from there it was radiation. When I was complete done with radiation, that's kind of um, when you when you think you're done, you know, that's kind of your graduating point. I ended up having some pain in my my, uh, abdominal areas or area, and um, I went in just to get a checkup, and sure enough, I I was back in Sioux Falls, which is where I did a lot of my doctoring, and I was with a, let's see, how do I say it, gynecological oncologist, and there were tumors, and there was a great size of the grapefruit in one ovary and a size of an egg in the other, and so I had to have a fairly... I would almost call it emergency hysterectomy. They wanted me back within a week. Um, I tried to bargain for about a month or two because I, my work ethic just, I was like, I'm just getting back to where I'm feeling like I can actually go on a daily basis. I thought, just give me a few more days. And, uh, my, my doctors were just kind of shake their head, roll their eyes in a, in a funny way with me because it's kind of, this is how you, you got to this point. But, um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of what the that that year looked like for me. One thing I left out is when I was in having my surgery at Avera McKinnon in Sioux Falls. My dad was in the same very same hospital. Um, he was being diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's uh, stage four um, lymphoma, and so when I woke up, that was the news that I received. And so it was kind of a rough year. Um, I, I think that's about how I would word that. <laughs> wow. So to be, so yeah, 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 yeah. To put it lightly, I mean, just I mean, when I was reading the timeline in your book of everything that you were dealing with, and then you lost your uncle, I believe, um, at that time that you were very, very close to, and just I thought, you know, how much more can this person take, you know, or how much more can she go through, and. And all that stress and, and then just being a new mom and working and I can imagine running to, you know, everything with them and then trying to work and do your treatments and juggle it all. And and I just feel uh, very passionate about your story as well, because that is, um, you know, I work for the same uh, hospital system that you were treated at and um, very, you know, very part time. But I, I have over 30 years of experience in mammography and uh, breast imaging is so I know, um, you know, I've seen up close what that looks like. And also with my mom going through breast cancer and being a survivor after 20 years, I mean, we see the victories. We know it's a very treatable, curable cancer. But ladies out there, if you have a lump, you know, don't wait as long because it's very curable. But early diagnosis is the key. Mm-hmm. And if you get it checked right away, whether or not you have history or not, I mean, that's the thing. We see so many people that are young, like Teresa, no family history, and they're coming in and they're having these uh, breast cancers appear. And so I, too, am passionate, you know, about that wellness piece and nutrition. And, you know, we know there's ways to affect our genome with nutrition. And and so I, I really am passionate as well with what you went through. And so I, you know, reading through your book and, and reading the journey of the struggles that you had as a new mom and I think being 
overwhelmed um, is a you know probably an understatement. Plus the fact that all the medications that you had to take, um, you know, changing maybe uh, make making things seem even more hopeless. Uh, I'll just read kind of at the um, end of your book. You talk about you know the private journal, the breaking point. And, um, you know, it says that you reach that breaking point and you finally, um, you know, want to talk a little bit about that experience of when you realize that, you know, it would be easier just to end it all and escape that journey. You talk about, um, you know, you reached out last minute to your boss, you called Andy um, and he talked you through it and you know, talk to you about, you know, grace and, you know, not giving up and the love of God and faith and hope and, you know, brought you out of that dark time. And, and what an amazing um, realization that you must have had. But um, at the beginning of your book, you know, you talk about planning your suicide because you would hit that breaking point where you're ready to just give up. And I don't know if you want to, um, you know, share with us that planning stage where, you know, coming up on a break in a few minutes, but I thought I just wanted to touch on that a little bit of what your thought pattern was and why you felt so desperate at that time. You bet. So, uh, as you mentioned, I had lost my uncle, and that was really at the year mark from diagnosis. And uh, he's this is a guy that uh, I grew up sort of as, he was like a big brother, but nicer than a big brother because, you know, he didn't have to live with me and, and have those experiences siblings do. But um, And this man, he drove me to a lot of my appointments and was really just someone who was there for me every single day. And um, he, he was one person who kind of could get me to eat because he'd bring me candy bars and that would make, I, I could, I had room for candy bars and then that would make me drink water. But and so he he died of a massive heart attack, um, and so there was absolutely no warning for us. And I don't know which is better, time, when you have time to prepare or when it's it's so sudden. Um, and it, it that was kind of a, moment, a turning point for me, it, looking back, I see now. And at that point in time, I stopped writing. I had been writing up as kind of a coping mechanism and a way to keep my supporters in the know. Um, and so I had stopped writing, and... For the next year and a half or so, I really just went through the motions, very, very in a stupor, I, I would almost call it. And as, and I also was suffering hot flashes. I don't think I mentioned that before. I being thrust directly into menopause. I, I just, and then one of the medications I'm on also a side effect is hot flashes. And um, so, you know, I, I went straight into sort of that place of of there's no more hope for me. And, and I don't know if you want to cut now. I was just kind of thinking about the time there, Marilyn. Where are we at? Yeah, we can run off to a break here shortly. Just, um, yeah, I think we can probably run to a break. If you want to just uh, wait for that uh, rest of that story, I know you're in that dark space or your, you know, dark time frame in your life Mm -hmm. where everything seemed hopeless Mm -hmm. and you know that's why I know you're so passionate about suicide prevention and suicide awareness and when we get back from break we're gonna you know pick up from actually the beginning of the the book where you describe how you prepared and were ready to to exit this life and so we'll be right back on Cote de Grace with my special guest Teresa Alish as she talks about her book Broken to Brave 
and we'll be right back after these messages. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com What is biohacking and why should you care? Marilyn Mosier has partnered with a publicly traded nutrigenomics company that uses technology and biology to turn back the clock at the cellular level. These products help you combat the issues of age-related conditions in a proven and patented plan of action. All of us want to live longer and healthier lives. But to reach that goal, we know people will first need to biohack both their physical and financial health. For more information, visit CodeToGrace.com. We hear just be you a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Code to Grace, the Empowered Women's Guide to Life with Marilyn Mosier. To reach the show today, please call 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or you can send an email to Marilyn at codetograce.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Code to Grace. I'm your host, Marilyn Mosier, and I'm speaking today with a very special guest, the author of Broken to Brave, Finding Freedom from the Unlived Life, Teresa Alish. And she is just a a great friend, and I met her through um, a book signing event and that's coming up and just so enthralled by her amazing story of battling breast cancer, which I am so passionate about because of my 30 years of experience with um, being on the mammography side of breast cancer and screening and imaging of the breast. And so very passionate about that, but also realizing in her book, the journey she takes us through after her battle with breast cancer and then the hopelessness that set in after she went through some very um, stressful times in her life and where she felt hopeless. And she came upon a, a time in her life where she was ready to just end it all. She thought it'd be better just to commit suicide. And that, in her book, that first part of the book, really is so incredible that it's it's really um, draws you in and, and makes you realize what goes through a person's mind when they are preparing to commit suicide. And it's it's really 
um, almost haunting co- um, to listen to or to read what, you know, what the thought patterns that she had. But Teresa, I want you just to, um, you know, like I said, you battled that, that breast cancer as a young mom and a wife and you were so courageous and you came off the other side, but then that low point in your life where you were just ready to end it. And then you shared in your book about planning that morning to end your life and um, you know, what What was it that signal that changed it and made you cry out for help when you did? And just take us through that morning of, of where you were at and how you, you know, what you went through that morning. Sure. So that particular morning, I was actually, we were coming off of a, a snow day um, where we had actually gained, you know, sort of some free time where I, in the past, I had always enjoyed these days and I saw them as a time to really hang out with my family, watch movies, popcorn, M&Ms. Those are some of the things that we associate with snow days. And my husband was gone on a wrestling trip. Um, also at that point in time, you know, the place that I was at, when I was at work, I was, I was dreading everything that was going on around me because I was also feeling guilty that I should be at home. And when I was at home, I was feeling guilty that I should be at work. So never was I in the right place at the right time. My mind was always somewhere else. And I think that that's a big red flag that I would put out there is, is, you know, as we think about how we can reach out and help others is just to help people become aware of their thoughts. But that particular morning, it hit me. Um, it, it just, when I woke up that morning, I think I remember being a little bit angry because we were moving slowly. Um, so it was back to school or back to daycare for the kids. And, um, it just kind of hit me on the way to daycare. I thought, this is it. This is, I, I am not a good mom. I am not the right person for these kids to grow up. I'm not a, it's, I'm not a good role model. And I, it's so vivid in my mind. It was the, the title of that section in my book is called All in a Hug. And if I, I'm just going to read this little paragraph, but it's, as I hug Sasha and Teague, they have no idea this is the last hug, the last goodbye. The last time they will look into my blank eyes and the last time mine will look into theirs. The last time their sing-song voices will reach my absent ears and the last time their innocent ears will hear my whispery voice. The weight of this embrace, the life wrapped up in two hugs and two young children ages six and four. I am damaged. I am scarred. I am broken. I am no good. And so then I, I spend this this particular chapter, which is called The End, um, just the irony there having it be at the beginning of this book, but I spend this chapter really uh, almost, it's like a reflection of, it's so odd that um, I, I think that I can even remember some of it because it was so frazzled at the time and I was, I, it was almost an argument going on in my head of, of, you know, there's so many things I appreciate about my life, but no, wait, you know, you, you have, you're just too tired. You can't do this. You, it was that inner critic telling me I couldn't do it. Um, I was, I had convinced myself that I was not able to love my family. And, and looking back, it's because, you know, I, there was so much I had lost in, in the love I had for myself. And, and there's maybe even a greater message there that I, over time in my life, I have never been real nice to myself. I've always been really critical and, um, and, and you can see my mind unraveling that story as we go um, back through my high school career and, and my ability to learn. I really struggled with learning, and that's something that's always really been a common theme. Um, but as I, when I get to the part about my uncle, 
I think most readers probably pick up on that's a major, that's a knife for Teresa. That just, it, it just, it hurts. And I think that um, most people who read it, I, I, the feedback I'm getting is they are bawling at this point um, because they sense that somebody's gone and, and it hurts. But there's a little story that goes with this part. And um, my uncle and I, after chemotherapy appointments, we would sit in my, on my living, in my couch in my living room, and there's a great big picture window there. And we would look out. Um, we happen to live across the street from a golf course, hole two, but outside would be this red cardinal, and this cardinal had has been coming around to this our house for for as long as I could remember, at least in the last few years, and. And he would land only on my car, and he would, I, I don't have a better word for this, but he would poop on the rearview mirrors. And, and it became a joke because here he'd, he'd flutter down and land, and I'd be encouraging him to land on any of the other, you know, vehicles. And when my uncle died, this bird stopped coming around, um, and we just, he was gone. We just, we figured he had gone south or just something happened to him, um, at this, at this, on this day, when I got back home from dropping off my kids, I decided I was going to be, I was going to stay in my car because I didn't want to taint my home with with that that feeling of death and and have that be a memory. I figured the car is something they could easily get rid of. And being a cancer survivor, a cancer patient, I I had a, all sorts of medication that probably enough to kill an army. It, it just, I had everything from antidepressants to, to pain medication from my surgery, you know, it just, it, to blood pressure medicine that helped with hot flashes. It was just a perfect storm combination type of, of cabinet filled with pills. But I, do, I grabbed as, as many as I could hold in my arms and I, I took them out to my car with my, with my water bottle and, and that's when things, I kind of broke down and as I was going through all those thoughts and, and really trying to decide what I, was, what I was even doing there, that bird, my little red cardinal, came back. And for a second there, I thought, oh, what, what's, what's he doing here? And, and I, I'm like, maybe that's a sign. And then he up and left. Um, it was just kind of a quick little flutter there. He was, he was back. And, and I think there's a, even a level of, was I crazy? I, I don't really say that out loud in, that, in my story, but there, there are definitely thoughts there where I'm like, did I just see that? And um, then about, I don't know, it was probably just a couple of minutes later, um, as I was probably, after, I had swallowed a couple rounds of, of pills, the bird came back, and there was a long moment of just, it, it was on my side of the, the driver's side rearview mirror, and then we just sat there and looked at each other, and and it just snapped me out of that so quickly that it, it was like a, the fog had lifted, and I thought, what are you doing? What, what, how did I get to this place? And I, so from that point forward, that the, my book really goes back and explores different, different pieces of what kind of led me there, as well as then that fight to, to regain my stability and my, that bravery that everyone thought I had and that I really felt, I felt like an imposter. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that I thought I needed to take my life because I had convinced everyone that I was brave and I was really facing this cancer and my husband, my husband, my uncle's death with such courage, but deep inside, I didn't feel that, um, 
that way. And so that kind of, does that help to explain that, Marilyn? Yeah. And just, um, do you want to share what that, what you found out later about the signal of a cardinal visiting? Yes. And so I don't have the exact words, but I have the gist. So since then, um, in the last few months, I've had two situations where um, I, a gym that I work out in, I, I went to the gym one day and there was a little bag there waiting for me with my name on it. And in this bag was a, a little red cardinal as an ornament. And it said, um, oh, it was like live, love, joy, just those those words. And it, a few people were standing there and we started talking about the meaning of the cardinal. And one person said, you know, and I'm guessing it might be even the gifter, but she said, do you know the actual meaning of the cardinal? And I looked at her, and I really, truly had no clue. And she said, there are a lot of people who believe that the cardinals are sent from from heaven above or from a loved one, you know, just to, to send some sort of a message or signal or, or just um, to carry love. And and I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, that it just there was such meaning there in that moment. And since then, there's also been another little uh, situation where um, a family friend of ours stopped by my mom and dad's home, and she was kind of speaking of flustered. She she said, "I have something for you, and I I don't want you to think I'm crazy, but um, I I sometimes get these little these these feelings or messages, and I'm supposed to give this to Teresa, and it, it's a message from Uncle Joe." And so it was a little necklace with a cardinal. And it's just, for me, it's just unbelievable. And um, and it's just been such an emotional ride now that I, I know that. <laughs> so right. it, it definitely almost makes me want to you know, oh. have a little tear at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. It, it just gives me chills to hear you say that, just to know that had you not seen that cardinal or not snapped out of it, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. And so I just am so grateful that that signal and that cardinal was sent to you and um, that you were able to stop, um, you know, stop what you're doing and and realize. And so um, you called Andy, you were, you know, it talks about in the, um, your dialogue in your, in your, um, in your book about how you were just kind of wrestling with who to call and, you know, how, what have I done? And, you know, you were probably starting to feel the effects of the drugs that you just swallowed. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, you bet. Um, at that, at that time, I, you know, well, one, I'm, I'm not one to, I do not like to throw up and most people don't, but I know there's some people who it's not such a big deal. So I had to force myself to throw up as much as I possibly could. Um, and I wasn't even sure if that would do the trick. I, I have no idea how medication actually works and affects the body. And so that was actually, I had such fear there when I started to have little feelings of, um, you know, I, I explained it, a velvety curtain kind of of shadows that were creeping in around my vision and little sparklies, you know, like that you sometimes see when you stand up too quickly. Um, and so I, I explained some of those sensations and as I, I was, I w- actually was worried somebody was going to drive by and I was going to have to explain what I was doing. But then I started going through, oh, my gosh, who am I going to call? I didn't want, you know, I, I didn't want my parents to know. I didn't, 
I was actually, it went through just about every member of my family, and, and some of it's actually comical because I have, a, you know, one brother who would have been absolutely no help, and the other brother was out of town who who is a little bit more, he's, he's the type who I, I could really rely on for, for this sort of thing. And um, I, I, my husband was out of town, and so there is one person who, who did stand out, and it, it was my, my superintendent, my boss at the time, and he was someone who, over the course of, from, from the time I was diagnosed, he had been someone who had always given me that feeling that he may have known a little bit more than he let on, that I was struggling more than I was letting on. And, um, and so, so he popped in, and I thought, that's, that's who I need to call. And, um, you know, when I went in and um, sat down with him, we, we talked for, I mean, I was probably there for three hours between talking with him, and he brought in one of my administrative colleagues. And, and they did. They talked, they talked all about, you know, that God's there and have I, have I asked for help? Have I even talked with him? And, you know, what really made me realize that I've been living on my own is the answer was no. I mm. I wanted to do this by myself, and I had really pushed God out. And it wasn't that I blamed him by any means. It was just I this was I was going to do this, and I was going to do this on my own, and, and I didn't even realize where wow. I had gone with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I got this, God. You, you don't need to worry about me. And you were trying to be, like you said, so brave and so courageous that it probably was a detriment in a way because you just didn't rely on, you know, that faith as far as, you know, helping you through that journey as much as maybe you could have. But now, yeah, thank goodness you were able to realize that. And you talk about um, the the chains that we are. And I'll have you talk after we get back from break about that prison of the unlived life, um, recognizing self-destructive warning signs, embrace reality and accept your purpose, acknowledge your strengths and permission to grow, find your keys to live in the moment without the weight of the past and future. And like you talked about earlier, you're very um, hard on yourself. And I would guess, you know, from meeting you, um, you know, and everything, you're kind of a perfectionist a little bit, you know, and I can be that way too. And myself just, you know, well, I could have done better. And, you know, I, I need to, you know, try harder and I need to be at the top of this and that. And, and um, that personality, it's, it's hard when you have to face Uh, a challenge like this. So when we get back from break, we'll talk a little bit more about that and then how you've turned this purpose. Um, You know, we talked about in your bio how you're able to be a John Maxwell coach and you're part of these Christian groups of empowering women and how that's changed your life and how you want to, um, you know, speak into women's lives and speak into other people's lives that are facing, you know, daunting challenges in their life like you were uh, just a few years ago and that incredible journey that you've been on. And her book is Broken to Brave, Finding Freedom from the Unlived Life. And it's we're speaking today with Teresa Alish. And she can be reached at TeresaAlish.com. It's T-E-R-E-S-A-A-L-E-S-C-H.com. And we will be back after these messages with Code to Grace. And we're speaking with the author of Broken to Brave. We'll be right back after these messages. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
What is biohacking and why should you care? Marilyn Mosier has partnered with a publicly traded nutrigenomics company that uses technology and biology to turn back the clock at the cellular level. These products help you combat the issues of age-related conditions in a proven and patented plan of action. All of us want to live longer and healthier lives. But to reach that goal, we know people will first need to biohack both their physical and financial health. For more information, visit CodeToGrace.com. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Code to Grace, the empowered women's guide to life with Marilyn Mosier. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to Marilyn at codetograce.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Code to Grace. I'm your host, Marilyn Mosier. Today, I'm speaking with a very special guest, the author of Broken to Brave, Teresa Alish. And she has been through an incredible journey, a fight of stage three breast cancer and also a suicidal attempt survivor. And she is very passionate about helping people recognize the warning signs of those people that are in that dark place, those people feeling hopeless like she was, and her journey through all the battle of cancer and then going through, um, you know, feeling that that sense of hopelessness where she just wanted to end it all. But coming out of that, thankfully, with the help of a dear friend and with God's grace and with that uh, realization um, and and also the little cardinal that came to visit her that morning. And, and she realized that she had so much left to live in her life and so much to give. And she's a beautiful woman and she's full of purpose. She's full of grace and she's full of courage. And I just am so honored to have you on our show or on my show today, Teresa. So 
I, I wanted you to share with us about that title. You talked about finding freedom from the unlived life. And what do you mean by that? Oh, boy, that's such a loaded question. How many? We have an hour left, right? <laughs> no. Okay, so the unlived life. There, I think probably the best way I can describe that is um, using the word guilt. The, you know, I, in my book, I really talk about um, essentially guilt that, that was used to cement the walls and, and sort of seal the gates of my, my own little mental prison. Um, and, and this is important, and the reason that it's not just, this book's not just about me. I want people out there to be cognizant of, of whether or not they might be doing the same thing that I was. So, for example, I mentioned earlier, while I was at work, my mind was at home. While I was at home, my mind was at work, you know, never truly being present at either one, which then that starts to impact our productivity. And when we're not productive, then that, that guilt builds and that, that our confidence starts to, to just really fall through, through gaps. Um, I started, you know, I wasn't living as a mom. I wasn't living as a wife. I wasn't living as an employee. I was really kind of pushing myself into this corner, into this, again, in my book, I, I talk about a solitary cell. And I kept adding new layers and dimensions um, to my prison, really kind of walling me off from other people. And instead of being able to plan ahead, I was just going day by day by day and really just could not break free. And so... Um, it, and that kind of is where I get that, you know, we, I'm regretting the past. I'm not able to focus on the future, you know. And so when, we're, when we've got that past and future going on, then we're never in the present. We're, we're either living in the past or we're living in the future with worry. And, um, and so that, that's really, I think, where I came up with um, why, or why I wanted to call it an unlived life. Yes, and I think too. I I struggle with that too. Um, when we're busy moms and we have our young kids, and if we do work outside the home, we have that mom guilt and that pressure, and yeah, always feeling like, um, you know, especially if you have a stressful job too, you're feeling like you're needed to be at work because you have commitments and responsibilities. But then you have the mom guilt because you want to be with your kids, and and that whole juggle, and and I know how stressful that can be. And so, yeah, it's it's good to remind ourselves to be cognizant of living in the present and being present whichever, wherever you're at, and, and that's a great reminder. Um, so your passion for helping others find their authentic Christian purpose in life, um, give us some of the ways that you're giving back and feeling um, like you're using your experience to help minister to others that might be struggling and facing their own giants in life. Oh, you bet. So in the, I think the irony of all this, and, you know, I, in my book I talk about keys that I, I'm trying to leave for other people to help them get out of their own little, <clears throat> excuse me, prisons or cells. And the irony is that <clears throat> it's really freedom. We're, we're trying to get freedom from ourselves. We've, we have put ourselves in those places, and... Um, I realized that it, it, we have to move beyond that superficial and really authentically interrogate, interrogate our own reality and admit that it's, you know, that it's a prison that we built with pain or insecurity or even our failing faith. And for me, that's, it was definitely a failing faith in, in many regards. Um, 
on the exterior, I think my reality was was flawed, although most people probably couldn't see through all my masks. But on the inside, you know, my existence was just kind of this windowless pit of self-destruction. And so I think to remove those restrictions and to, to expose those keys and share them with others is, is really, like you mentioned before, it's become my purpose. And and to do that, I had to become vulnerable, and I had to, to write this book. And I think now it's time to take vulnerable on the road and really, really put it out there and, and, and help others, whether it's, whether it's through, you know, leadership training or self, sort of self-analysis and, and sort of workshopping type um, programs. You know, I really want to help in those, in those regards. One thing that's been really fun, I've, I've joined up with a group of women, and where you mentioned with eyes wide open, and we have a YouTube channel, and it's for, for women for decades, and really we're, we're taking on today's world our world issues today, I'm sorry, and just looking at them with truth and light, and we're looking at it from a worldly view and then also through the Christian lens. And so we're also in, we're working on some really big plans to head out um, in the months to come and visit some communities. We're going to focus on the Heartland first, and and our, our goal is to really put heart back into um their lives as far as helping people to redefine and find that purpose by by pulling back the shades and, and looking at things as they are and um, through who they are. And so I kind of just, I think I muddied a, a, a big answer to your question. I'm not sure if I got to the, I don't know no, if I got to I the like heart that. of it. No, that's good that you have that YouTube channel, Eyes Wide Open, and then you're intentional about meeting with other strong women and uh, uh, helping people to do that personal development and empowerment that they need to face, you know, hard times in their lives. And I'm I'm very on board with that as well. And it's so key um, that a lot of women, too, they are, you know, going through something in, in that that difficult, that stressful is is incredible that you can come out the other side and say, you know what, here's my battle scars, but I did this for um, a reason and it's to help you. And to me, there's nothing more powerful than that and more um, amazing just to give back once you've been helped by someone and helped by um an experience in your life, you know, God brought you through this for a purpose and you're going to use it to bless women's lives and other people's lives. And I think it's just, um, it's an incredible journey that you've been on. And, um, her book broken to brave fighting, finding freedom from the unlived life by Teresa Alish. And she can be found at TeresaAlish.com. And she also has a Facebook page. And I was just uh, getting an email from um, the advertisers of our upcoming book signing. So we'll be signing books in the library at Sioux Center on 7 p.m. on April 10th. So that is a exciting um, that we can do that event together. But what an incredible journey that you've been on. What would you like to tell the listeners out there to encourage them if they're facing something very, you know, a huge challenge in their life right now? Ooh. So I, one thing I thought of, and I think this would go out to those people who sometimes feel that they're just at the end of their ropes and, and circumstances are dire. You and I had talked about um, during a break, 
what were some signs or some other things that you might want to share? And I thought of one thing, and that is that I started to have these little flashes of just, and they, these would definitely be warning signs for me, uh, that I just couldn't do it anymore. Or I started to actually wish that I would just die in my sleep. Little things like that, they were brief, I mean, split-second little moments that just started to accumulate. And so I, I would say to to be cognizant of, of those little things. And, and maybe it doesn't mean anything, but maybe it does. And, and the more you're aware of it, the more you can assess your own, your own health there and, and find different ways to cope and work through that. And I think the other thing I would say is, you, you said it actually, that there's purpose, I think, in everything. And for me, I just misunderstood the purpose. You know, when I was, I was absolutely brave during my battle. And I thought that I was, by coping through writing and sharing that, that I was helping educate. And I was. But I think God had a greater plan for me to to work with people and help others to be able to cope. And I just misunderstood the purpose at the time. And so I think it's always really just making that connection and just continuing to ask. And for me, I didn't ask. I I thought I knew it all. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. ask God for your what your purpose is and, and, you know, don't stop asking until until you've really felt the, the message that he has for you. Right. And are you part of any type of um, suicidal prevention group type, you know, education or any of that? Not yet. I am actually speaking at, um, at an upcoming uh, suicide awareness conference, but I'm, I'm actually kind of at a point where... Um, when I can have a little bit of break and time from work, I'm going to be exploring different ways I can help out on a bigger scale. Um, but to start, I'm just going to kind of work with people as they as they hear about me, and um, and I'm actually I'm redoing my website. So I'm so sorry for those of you who visit. It it might seem a little messy, but it's um, pretty soon it'll be out there, so I can help out where people find that my services would be beneficial. Right. And um, you left a verse um, when you signed my book that you gave me. Um, it was Ephesians six ten through 11. Choose brave and or choose to be brave and continue inspiring the world one person at a time. Um, and if I'm not sure what that you said to, that you always have a verse that you use um, for Ephesians six ten through 11. What verse did you um, is that? something that inspired you or is that the reason that you used that verse? I mean, I'm going to expand on that. I use that verse because I think, um, I think that we always have, um, I don't know how I'm I'm going to use, I'm going to say the devil. I think the devil is always trying to find holes. And, um, I really think that it takes us again, being aware of of those of our own holes, so that we can patch them up and we can have have that armor of God around us and um, cast away, you know, that that sort of those those advances or those attacks toward us. And so, so I chose that because I think we have a lot of power, and God gives us that power to to really just be strong and in, in darkness, and um, to know that He's there for us. And so. Put on, you know, it's being strong in the Lord and, and putting on the full armor of God so that we can take stand against the devil's scheme, you know, schemes. And so that was really how I wanted to end things because I think I think that's been my whole life is just I wasn't prepared for for I didn't have my armor on all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Right, exactly. And and so what do you think this, you know, looking at a 30,000 foot view of what you went through um, from the diagnosis all the way, you know, surviving the suicide attempt and now to today, what was your biggest um, lesson in this whole process that you've come through? I mean, now you've written a book, you're inspiring women and others going through these hard times. You know, what could you say is my, your biggest takeaway from this whole experience? My biggest takeaway is, well, one, it's hidden all throughout our life, especially our tragedies. There are these metaphorical prisons just waiting to suck us in, whether it's our hearts, our minds, our souls. Um, and and there's warning signs there, and there were for me all along if if I would have had my eyes open. And to interrogate re- reality is the hardest thing that we can ever do, but in, and that's where that bravery lies. That's where that courage lies, and it requires us to be intentional and resilient and, and to just keep pushing through. And, and probably the hardest or the biggest lesson of all for me is that I was not living in the moment for so long. And, and once I started to interrogate my reality, I realized I wasn't living in the moment through a lot of my life because I was always regretting something um, or worrying about the next day. And so to embrace our purpose in time, we have to reconcile our past and we have to focus our future in a way that's healthy so that we can really fulfill our present. I love that. And in the back of your book, it says, everyone has a battle. You get the one you need. Mm-hmm. What do you mean about that? Just quickly oh, before we close in a minute yes. or two. That actually, a, a colleague of mine, when we were talking about it, about my story, about my book, and what, and it was kind of one of those little wisdom nuggets that, that she gave me. And she just, she made that comment, you know, Teresa, we, we all, everyone, everyone has their battle and I believe you get the one you need. And, and I think, I think, and I don't know that it's God given. It's just, we sometimes have to overcome that, that biggest blind spot in our lives to be able to get to the other side to where that purpose is, is waiting for us. And that's when we discover what we're in, what our intentions, what we're supposed to do, who we, how we can serve right. others. And, and so, yeah, I, that, it, that was just huge for me too. It's, I, I love, I love that piece. <laughs> and your, and your pain was for a purpose and to God be the glory for that. So, Absolutely. well, it's been a, true honor and just so um, enlightening to visit with you today, Teresa. I just want to extend uh, again my heartfelt thanks and I'm so proud of you. I'm so encouraged by your book and and your story and your bravery and courage and and just the way you've come through this as a as a true val, you know warrior and uh, victorious and uh, Christ loving, you know, and sharing the the hope of Christ and the hope of um, encouragement with others that are, are maybe facing a big bat- battle. So, read the book "Broken to Brave: Finding Freedom from the Unlived Life" by Teresa Alish, and you can read. Um, or you can go to her website at TeresaAleish.com or on Facebook. So thank you so much for joining me today, Teresa. You're uh, you're just an amazing um, person to know. And I look forward to our book signing coming up next month. So thank you so much for being part of our show today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. God bless. Take care, everyone. Have a great rest of the week.
Thank you for listening to Code to Grace, the empowered women's guide to life. Please join your host, Marilyn Mosier, for another special program next Wednesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to meet with you again. 